Hello and welcome everybody to another special edition of the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. I'm Josh Roller and the other half of this podcast is Rob Peters. He's right on the other end of my computer screen right now and we're coming at you live from Indiana. It is pre-recorded for you though um, and it's kind of raining outside at the moment. It's it's really bad fall weather but we're, we're Hoosiers. We can fight through it. Uh, you know, so today we're going to talk a, a little bit about the uh, Formula E opener this uh, for the 2019-20 opener. Rob's going to do a great job of that, as always. We have two great f- featured paint schemes for you, a fantastic featured racetrack and upshift-downshift segments. But uh, more importantly, we have two special, special segments today. We got the first annual Rob and Roller Awards. Yes, the first annual. We're so excited about that one. And the uh, Rob and Roller's way too early 2020 predictions it's going to be a fun show and rob and i are so glad that you joined us today and if you're coming back welcome back if it's your first time you picked a good day to listen to the first show i think i think he i think you have uh but make sure you go back and listen to one where we review some other races too uh be sure to follow us on twitter rob is at r p e e t e r s three three myself i'm at r o l l e r underscore zero one and the show's account is at Robin Roller, just as it sounds. So now before I ramble on too much here, um, I'm going to go ahead and I want to throw it to Rob so he can tell you all about the 2019-2020 Formula E opening weekend. Rob, take it away. Oh, thank you, Josh. I appreciate it very much. Um, yes, uh, the first race we're going to discuss today, even though it's we're, we're literally talking about a postseason, you know, we've, the, the most of the racing seasons are completely over right now, but Nope, Formula E always likes to get the jump on stuff. I wish they'd have another race between November and December. I, I mean, because just to kind of feel like the you know you at least have one race a month that kind of makes the the racing season the racing off season go a little bit faster. But oh well, you know. But uh, so the first race of the 2019 to 2020 Formula E season plays over the weekend with two races on the Ad Diria Street Circuit in Riyadh. Uh, I knew I, I knew I was going to butcher that. I was hoping I wouldn't. I knew Adiria, but I couldn't do uh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Um, the two teams, two new teams, joined the grid for this upcoming season. Porsche will develop powertrains for their own team and enter two enter the cars for drivers Neil Johnny and Andre Lauderer. Moves over from uh, to Cheetah. Um, the after par- being paired with uh, former. Uh, Formula E champion last season, uh, John Eric Byrne. So Lauderer moves on over to the Porsche. HWA Race Lab rebrands to become the Mercedes-Benz factory team, retaining Stoffel Van Dorn, and then signing current F2 champion Nick DeVries. So we've talked a lot about Nick DeVries in the past when we cover Best of the Rest and talking about Formula 2. Nick DeVries is now moving up into Formula E. Kind of interesting to see a lot of the junior Formula level uh, drivers move up through uh, and, and not end up going to Formula One, but rather Formula E and making relatively decent careers out of it. So uh, good good job for him. So we'll talk about the first race of the we- weekend. And if you didn't know that this race even happened, uh, first of all, again, I apologize because Fox doesn't really like to br- like ever promote the series. Uh, but it Which was unfortunate. On- yeah, it, it it is unfortunate, but it it was indeed on um, FS2 on Friday morning at like seven in the morning. But on on that day, uh, Sam Bird won race one ahead of Andre Lauderer and Stoffel Van Dorn. Uh, newcomer uh, Nico Mueller for Jay Penske's Dragon Racing had to delay his debut after suffering a crash in qualifying and in, and being unable to start the 
the first race of the weekend. Sebastian Buemi suffered an electronics failure three laps into the race and failed to finish. Uh, and then defending Formula E champion Jean-Éric Verne was also forced to retire early from the race with a steering arm failure. Uh, so the winner, Sam Bird, would score his ninth career Formula E victory, meaning that uh, he has now won a race in at least at least one race in every single Formula E season since the series debut in 2014. So that's kind of interesting for Sam Bird. Um, overall, that first race was not nearly as um, maybe, ex or, I don't know how to describe it, um, but it, it wasn't really up to, the, up to the par that race two was because race two the, the, uh, took place on Saturday morning and it was won for the record books. Early in the race, uh, during a battle for second, Antonio Felix da Costa turned Sebastian Buemi around in the first corner, Buemi attempted to re-enter the track, but was nearly T-boned by his teammate Oliver Rowland. Then also T-boned, almost T-boning him were Felipe Massa and Daniel Apt. All drivers did, have, however, manage to avoid any major incident and carried on without issue. However, not long after that incident, Sam Bird, the previous day's winner, crashed, causing a safety car. And, and the way he was driving this, I mean, guys were but just punting got guys all over the place. I mean, that's the thing about Formula E is it's kind of like a mixture between you know, stock car racing and, and open wheel racing, because they've got these kind of tough fenders on them a little bit. They can, you know, give more chrome horns than the average uh, formula car does, but it, it still, it doesn't, it's not supposed to end well because we, we saw with, uh, with the number of incidents on Saturday, Saturday's race that once one of those pieces flies off, the car aerodynamically is just not up to snuff. I mean, there's nothing the powertrain can do to overcome that, that you're not going to just take attack mode and then suddenly be back up to pace. I mean, you really have to have all of that downforce on there, which is kind of interesting to see about Formula E cars because you don't really think of them needing, you know, aerodynamics or downforce or anything because it's supposed to be strictly about the t engine technology. But yeah, there's actually some pretty interesting um, aero pieces on there. But anyway, so he did crash. And after that safety car period engine, excuse me, after that safety car period ended for Sam Bird's accident, uh, Envision Virgin Racing suffered a double retirement after Sam Bird's teammate Robin Frins crashed. Uh, and then as the race continued, Alexander Sims, the pole sitter, didn't allow a single person by all day. He led all 30 laps in route winning race two in Adiria. Um, and I know that sounded kind of crazy for me to say it was a little bit of a better one considering, you know, Sims led the whole race. But overall, the action back in the pack was a little bit more entertaining uh, than maybe the the first race, whereas the action up front in the first race was definitely um, was definitely worth it. So you know, Formula E kicking off again here in 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 2019 uh, and 2020. So you know, again, it's another great season of Formula E. I do like that they they kind of do this kind of staggered schedule, like multi year schedule like this. But I just wish that you know, why can't we run another race in December like we used to? That used to be one of the main polls I think for me of Formula E was that it was a major um, motorsport that actually raced, you know, during those seasons where just races don't take place, like December yeah. and January. And I think a yeah. lot of people would really love to see more races that are available on television during that time period. Because I think race fans, we all get, you know, after a while, after a couple of, of you know, a month or two, by February 1st, we're like, is it Daytona yet? You know, yeah. is it Daytona yet? Um, you know, we've had, we'll have had the 24 hours of Daytona by that point, but you know, at the same time, you're still that that doesn't quench your thirst because once it's over, you want more. That's how I've always felt about the Rolex 24 is once it's over, you just want more. So, yeah. you know, anyway, uh, good start for the Formula E season, but uh, they won't race again until um, November uh, until January. So yeah, they don't race again until uh, 
January 18th, and they go to uh, Santiago. Yeah. So be interesting to see how that ends up. I mean, I like more race. I, I like the fact that Santiago Ypres will actually be taking place, um, you know, on this side of the country so that we don't have to wake up at 7 in the morning to watch it. Right. Because believe me, I'm... I'm not into that. So so January uh, 18th, Santiago Epri, and then February 15th is Mexico City Epri. So getting kind of close into Daytona territory there. Be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, but anyway, so let's go ahead and uh, that's Formula E. That's really all I got. Formula E. Uh, Josh, why don't we go ahead and, and start a good old discussion on our featured paint scheme this week? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, this week we're going to uh, the 2008 nascar sprint cup series season and um the first year i mean the big notable for this one is um well there's two big notables really um jimmy johnson won his third straight championship that year tying kale yarborough and it was the first full year for the cot cars which makes i think the selection uh, a little a little more unique rob i love yours um to to to, to tell you the truth, I had forgotten about this paint scheme, and it pains me to admit really? that. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Because this is a really cool paint scheme. Okay, so I know that we both talked about, um, you know, we're both uh, we've both essentially picked Hendrick Motorsports paint schemes, but there's there's reasons for this. So let's let's take a look here. So mine, I love one off cars. That yes, you know, one off yes. cars that only run a handful or a select number of races. Uh, I love those, and I think 2008 had had some really really good ones um, out there. There there's a few out there that um, I really like. Obviously, my first choice was going almost going to be these number zero two uh, Home Depot car that Joey Logano mm-hmm. ran in select races, and then he ran um, the Hall of Fame racing the '96, yes. and the '96 had some interesting uh, paint schemes as well with the DLP with JJ Yaley. But uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and pick Brad Keselowski's number 25 GoDaddy Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Um, because you know, guys know I love GoDaddy schemes. So um, Keselowski attempted three races late in the season, failing to qualify at Charlotte, but finishing 19th at Texas and 23rd at Homestead. And I've always been, like I said, always been a huge fan of GoDaddy schemes. And even though I do prefer the 2009 scheme, I still I think do. this one is pretty good. Um uh, albeit it's a bit basic, but it's still very, very good. Um, it's a flat back black base with a bright orange stripe and bright green bottom around the, the whole where the quarter panel was located on the old car of tomorrow. Um, and there's a die cast I know that I should really get sometime, but I think I wanted of the 2009 car um, if I do end up getting that because, or if I don't have it already, I should have it maybe somewhere. I feel like I was obsessed with these those 25 GoDaddy cars back in 08 and 09 so long. I was just completely obsessed with them, and especially Keselowski's car. In the, in the Nationwide Series at the time, too. Beautiful, beautiful-looking car. So, um, yeah, that's my pick for for uh, the featured paint scheme of the week. Josh, why don't you go tell us all about yours? Yeah, well, um, I guess people, you know, you know, who know me, I guess I do like to drink a little bit of Mountain Dew every once in a while. I'll cut back, though. I'll cut back, you know. You know, Mountain Dew's good for the soul. Um, I do believe that. Very few things I endorse in, in this world, and Mountain Dew's one of them. So I choose Dale Jr.'s number 88 Mountain Dew throwback Chevrolet that he drove at Darlington in May. So Jr. was driving throwback paint schemes before it was cool. That's basically what it's all about here. Um, it was modeled after Daryl Walters' paint scheme he drove from 1981 to 1982 um, when he drove for Jr. Johnson. Jr. started second that day and finished fourth. The car 
Um, I'm going to go with it as a white base. And then it has, you know, the, the, the green, the big green stripes down the side and along the top and two small border, uh, stripes as well, uh, to, uh, kind of, uh, accent the big stripes. Um, so, and then it had, it was completely retro Mountain Dew logos too. I mean, this is about the time where PepsiCo was doing some retro themes and, uh, with, with their Pepsi and Mountain Dew products and you know they're making it with like real with real sugar. I, be, I believe was was the deal there, and and um, uh, they were doing it with 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 bottles and and cans alike. So it really really fit in well. It's probably more actually marketing and Mountain Dew wanting to do this than more so Junior. Obviously, I'm sure, but I mean it couldn't have worked out any any better in in my opinion. Um, so I I love this one. I got the diecast. I sure brought the diecast up from my room and, and been holding it for for this, but that that's okay. Um, but, uh, a very cool paint scheme. I liked it. It's definitely, I think it's actually one of my favorite paint schemes that junior ran in the 88 car when he drove for Hendrick Motorsports. Um, and I think also to this set the tone, I mean, you set the bar pretty high for Mountain Dew paint schemes. If you're going to run a, a Mountain Dew paint scheme and you're dealing her junior, the bar's high and junior likes to like a challenge like that. So he, 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 uh, and, and he has some good Mountain Dew cars after that too. Um, so Good, good job there. I think we had two great, great, great ones there. Um, I, I'm looking at your, your, your GoDaddy car, and and I, I mean, I, I agree. That's a really nice. It's a really basic paint scheme, like you said, but I like it. But I do like his right uh, the the 09 one a little bit more, um, a little bit more flavor to the scheme. If I if I'll say that, and I like the green, the GoDaddy green, mm-hmm. whatever they want to call it, it's like a lime green. So uh, awesome, awesome job there. So with that, folks, it's time for the 2019. Robin Roller Awards. Dun, 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 dun. All Yay. right. Drum roll something. I'm not going to do any of that. So uh, we got, we got, um, we, we make up our own rules here. All right. Yeah. We're we like have... the committee. We decide who gets to, to win. But yeah. 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 We have all the power. And the, here's the cool thing is um, we got six awards to hand out. And we each are handing out an award. We don't have just one. We didn't, we didn't come together and say, look, this is who we're choosing. We're each got our own answer here. So yes. for our first one, our first category, Rob, why don't you tell us your 2019 Rookie of the Year? So my 2019 Rookie of the Year is going to go to a driver that I think was most exemplary um, throughout this season. Now, unfortunately, they did not win the actual Rookie of the Year uh, in their respective series. I wish that they had, but it was very, very close um, between uh, this person and someone else. And it was very, very close. Uh, but I'm going to have to give my Rookie of the Year award to Colton Herta. Um, you you don't win two races in your debut season and 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 have just an overall outstanding performance despite all of your error. You know, Colton Herta easily could have been much higher in the final standings had he had not had some mechanical issues here and there. And I, I'm just going to write those off because I don't really think that those are going to affect him much next year. And I think really, if we've learned anything, it's that Colton Herta is here and he's here for time and he's the real deal. That's why Colton Herta is getting my 2019 Rookie of the Year award. Josh, who's who you're giving it to this this time? Who are you giving well, it to? I, I, I actually have to agree with you. I I, okay. I agree with Colton Herta. Um, y- you so know, Colton Herta, congratulations! Will... You've gotten two awards now. Yes, there you go. <laughs> awesome. He's got two two, two <laughs> imaginary awards. He'll probably never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, I have to say, share, share the same reasons. You know, he has um, 
seven DNFs this year, but I, that doesn't tell the whole story. If you just look at results, you're not going to get the entire story. Um, and that's true in anything, uh, any sport. Um, there was times where, you know, like Fort, uh, at Texas, he had a fast car at, at Pocono. I think he had a pretty good car, but he, he but he wrecks there too. Um, Gearbox Indianapolis was one of the fastest cars there. Some were even saying he was a favorite to win. Um, but, uh, you know, if he, a couple things here, like you said, he can, he could be much higher in the standings, might've even been fighting for a championship. He had the speed. He just had some very bad luck, and he didn't make always make mistakes. Sometimes it was like you mentioned, just the car. So, um, yeah, rookie of the year. And plus, he's made eighteen starts, seventeen of them this year. He every one in nine races, he wins a race. So he's got a pretty good record on that already. So, so to on to our next award, Rob. Tell us your breakout driver of the year. Uh, my breakout driver of the year is a driver who is not a rookie but a driver who I think got progressively better and better and better and better as the season went on and really only has here only has up to go from this point. And that is William Byron. You know, William Byron, he had a lot of great pulls this season. He had a lot of really great runs that were very, very impressive because I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people like to talk about, you know, Hendrick Motorsports is not where they used to be. Uh, You know, Chase Elliott was really the only Hendrick car that seemed to have it all working and even then it wasn't enough really to get a run for a championship but I think that I think personally that William Byron is is the guy who is just had the most breakout season and I know that you know there was a lot of other drivers that I considered for this a lot of uh, drivers throughout a whole ton of different series that I did consider for this but ultimately I just think William Byron is just impressed me the most uh, in just how much he improved from last season and and just how much he's just imp- overall from when from where he started. I feel like he's just continuously getting better and having Chad Canals um, on his in his pit box now and in his ear is only making him better. He's learning a lot and he's only gonna get better. So really I'm I'm giving it to William Byron. How about you, Josh? I wanna why don't you tell everybody who you're giving it to? Matt De Benedetto. Straight to the point. Matt De Benedetto. I think he showed how how good of a driver he actually is. You know, he, he ran two seasons with BK racing, and then he leaves there and goes to go fast racing. And I think he may go fast racing a better, better team. But then he says approximately, what was it? 15 months ago, I'm betting on myself. I'm, I have a ride here, at go fast racing, but I'm going to bet on myself that I can go get a better ride and improve a team and do better. Um, and that's exactly what he did. He went to a team that was running, 2018 equipment in 2019 um, was the fifth Toyota car out there, but he took a team that I don't think, you know, that he, he, he made that team just a whole lot better. Gave them their first uh, top fives or not the first top fives, but like double their top fives. He got his first top fives this year. I got three of them um, and he got, he, he more than doubled the top tens of his career and, and he was running well in a number of races that i don't think he could have done at go fast racing and i think he proved i deserve a better ride and that's what he's getting next year with wood brothers racing um so that so for for me you know it wasn't expected i don't know how many people thought he could do this and and i know 
There's a lot of people who had his, a lot of their doubts about uh, his ability as a race car driver, his ability to bet on himself. Was he making the right decision going to Levine Family Racing when they're going to Toyota? And you have a guy like Christopher Bell coming up through the ranks, which is exactly what happened. Um, but I, 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 I like I like him for the breakout. Um, and a couple things go differently. He may have a win, maybe two, um, in twenty in twenty nineteen. So the next one, most improved team, Rob, you're up. My most improved team is definitely going to go to the team of Colleague Racing. Um, I really am impressed with what this team has done this season. I mean, quite honestly, I did not, at under any circumstances, expect them to be a front runner in almost every Xfinity rate series race this season. I mean, if it wasn't Chastain in the car, it was Haley, it was Almendinger, it was somebody that was up front. And, and even Haley was running top 10 most of the season. And I think Ryan Truex is a really, really good driver, but I just don't think that the team was there last season to take advantage of Ryan Truex's talent. I think now they're here and they have a lot to say. I think Ross Chastain next season is going to have a, a breakout season in the Xfinity series. I really, really do. I think this is going to be probably the best opportunity Ross Chastain has at probably winning an Xfinity series championship and probably getting some kind of big major sponsor that launches him into cup full-time. I really think that this is the best time for him to be moving over into colleague racing full-time. And this is the best time for them to essentially be peaking for the sake of their two drivers, Justin Haley and uh, Ross Chastain, because those two guys are definitely going to have very, very improved seasons next year if they keep this up based on the amount of improvements they made last season th- this past season well I, I i'm going to go with, with, with mclaren you know look their 2018 to 2019 it's like night and day um you know 20 2018 fernando alonso was 11th and stoffel van dorn was 16th all right they were i don't think they were really relevant at all and then you you fast forward a year you have Carlos Sainz, who is tied. He's got sixth place to himself, but he's tied in points with Pierre Gasly, and I think he's got the car to to secure sixth place. To secure sixth place, and um, he he's going to have Alexander Albon on 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 his back, though he, Albon's only eleven points out. But still, regardless, both these cars have run well enough to be top eight in the standings. Lando Norris has had a little bit more unfortunate luck. But he's within striking distance of of, of, of a top ten in, in, the, in the final standings, maybe even a top nine. He won't get to, he can't get to eighth, but he maybe can get ninth. I really feel confident he can outrun Sergio Perez and get two points more than Sergio Perez uh, this coming weekend at Abu Dhabi. That is my most improved team. I think they've clicked this 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 combination and that whole organization is clicking. I'm excited to watch them next year. I really am. Um, so next, uh, the most improved driver, I know it was, there's a, there, to me, there's a difference between breakout and most improved. And I, and I like your choice, uh, Rob, most improved driver. Who is it? Yeah. My most improved driver is definitely not a guy who really had a break. I mean, he, he broke out pretty well last season, but, but Charles Leclerc is going to get my, my award for the most improved driver. I mean, moving over to, for, from, from. Sauber to Ferrari is definitely probably is is a huge, huge step up in terms of uh great in terms of race car. I mean, you're basically going from a midfield car at best to a front running car. And Charles Leclerc has essentially outpaced Vettel on numerous occasions, outqualified him on numerous occasions 
And I mean, I, I mean, he was doing things that I don't think Kimmy was ever able to do in that car. And that's no discredit to Kimmy Rankin. Kimmy Rankin is a fantastic driver and in every single step of the word. But Charles Leclerc has really taken advantage of this Ferrari car. He's really started to like it and he's starting to outperform Vettel. And it's really, really interesting to see the kind of dynamic that Ferrari is going to have now as the season comes to a close. Because I really think they're going to have to be looking at, hey, is Leclerc actually the number one driver now? And are we going to move Vettel to number two? And is Vettel even going to handle that? Because the last time that happened, he was like, nope, nope, son, I'm out, I'm out, and moved right to Ferrari. So, um, I, but yeah. I still think that uh, for Charles Leclerc, he had the most improved season. He got his first and, and second, and, and he's got his first couple of wins in Formula One. So he's a Grand Prix winner now. Um, you know, and he's a pole sitter in Formula One. Just an incredible season so far for uh, Charles Leclerc. So absolutely, he gets my most improved as he's the guy who's just really done far, far better than he has done last season. This one was a tough one for me. Yeah, there's a there's a few choices. Not there wasn't a whole bunch of choices on this one. There's a few, but I went with Chris Busher, and here's why. I want to know why. I'm curious. Okay. I think the team, J.C. Dory, let him down more than he let them down. I think if they could just put together a few more more things, they could have they could have had a top five this year. They they ran in the top five um, a number of times this year, and then have th- something go wrong or just were outpaced, you know, outsmarted at the end of the race. Uh, he had four top tens. But he improved his average finish by four positions this year. And I think that that is, to me, something when you talk about a Cup Series and you talk about J.T. Dordery, who you know is, is equivalent to a, a mid-pack team. And I was really hoping we were going to see what he was going to do in that car in 2020, but obviously he's moving to Roush Fenway Racing in 2020. Um, but I think he, he, he challenged for a few, for some respect out there. Let's put it that way. He's got, he's a race winner. He won a rain delayed, a rain shortened race in 2016. But I really felt like that team was, was making good strides. And with him in the car, um, he was making them better. Um, not at the level of like a, of a Ross Chastain uh, type of driver, but I think he was making, making some good gains. Um, and I enjoyed watching that 37 car running the top 10 quite a bit this year. Not where they finished always. Clearly, they only had four top tens, but they were running a little bit better uh, at the beginning and middle of a race than they were in 2018, in my eyes. And that to me, mo- most improved driver goes goes to him. So that Rob, this one um, heartbreak of the year. I mean, it says it all. What's your heartbreak? My heartbreak of the year is the one that I still, quite honestly, can't get over. It's the the Montreal screw job part two. Sebastian Vettel's Canadian Grand Prix robbery. I, I still am not over it. I'm still not over it. I still I don't know how anybody can be over it at this. Well, it's been it's it's been a while. It's been like several. It's months, been five but, months. Yeah, I think people have probably just completely forgotten about it. But not Sebastian Vettel, probably, and not me. That's my heartbreak of the year. I know there's there was so many. I think that you could have picked from guys that just had races going for them, and then everything falls apart for them. And I know that. For me, I just felt like that one was the the heart, most heartbreaking one because I felt like Vettel did everything in his power to win that race, and it just got swiped from him at the very last moment. And and I I just still feel for him for, still to this day. So that's why my heartbreak of the year. And we talked about it when when it happened. We yeah. talked about it when it happened. I expressed my feelings when it happened. 
Oh, yeah, you did. Uh, I still feel bad. I still feel bad for Vettel not uh, being on the top step of the podium in Canada. Yeah. Mine is one that, I mean, yours is yours is a great choice. Your, Very deserving. Is, I, I agree with it. I, I mean, it hurts me just about as much as Vettel's robbery hurts me. So just keep going. This one hurts me just as much. <laughs> Matt Benedetto at Bristol in August at the at, at the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race. I mean, oh my gosh, he had that race in the bag, folks. Mm-hmm. He had it in the bag, and then and then a little bit of contact, just a little bit of contact. Ryan Newman screws up the arrow on his car, and Denny Hamlin runs him down. And Denny Hamlin said post race, "I didn't want to pass him. I didn't want to do it, but I had to." And and the crowd reaction too. I mean, when he go when he gets on 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 the jumbo screen there that hangs over Bristol Motor Speedway, the fans just erupted. I mean, they were heartbreaking too. And 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 and, and what makes it worse is that Matt clearly was holding back tears. Clearly, in two interviews because we I saw you the TV interview and then and then the radio interview. He's not even on camera. He doesn't have to really fight it. But he was just cameras watching him, and, and he fought back twice. That was a heartbreak because there's a guy, as I mentioned before, everything I, I talked about, you know, you know, the breakout. Here's a guy who could have won a race and 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 validation, you know, and that's all I want to do. I just want to win one race. That's my heartbreak. Um, and our last one here, um, best performance of the year. Rob, take it away. Who had probably one of the best, most dominating performances? Of anyone outside, and and you now this is the reason why I went and got and picked this one was because I thought about it for a for a while, and I thought to myself, you know, anybody can go out there and dominate a race if they've got the best car and they've got the best, you know, they've got the best pit strategy, or they're just they just know the track better. They've got the great setup under the car. You know, anybody, most anybody can go out and dominate one race. Try going out and dominating an entire month. That's what Simon Pagano did. I mean, this guy. From the moment he showed up, he was the favorite in every single event. Goes out there, goes to the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, uh, and wins the thing. Then goes out, and what happens? Uh, qualifying. Pole. Pole for the Indianapolis 500. Then goes out there and leads the most laps and holds off Alexander Rossi in one of the most exciting battles I, at Indianapolis I've seen in a couple of years. Um and I say that because there's been a ton of exciting battles in Indianapolis over the past couple of years. So it's it, but that was one of the more exciting ones. Um, you know, just overall, Simon Pagano had a perfect month, and so for best performance overall out of anybody, Simon Pagano. I mean, because like I said, anybody could go out there and dominate one race that only lasts less than like three hours, maybe. But Simon Pagano dominated a, an entire month. Just he was on top of practice charts. He was on top of the the qualifying board he led the most laps i mean he just the dude was incredible all all month and that's why there's no one else that had a better performance than uh simon pagino in my mind in my mind and that's why he gets this this award so josh i want to hear about your award well i gotta give mine uh to ross chastain and his truck series playoff run okay there's a guy who started february declared for the xfinity series points doesn't go as as well as 2018 did. He falls out of the top 12. But he looks over at the truck series and says, you know what? This Nice Motorsports truck and me, we're clicking pretty good. Um, we won a race already at Kansas. 
Um, I think we can, I think we got enough time to go out there, win another race and make it into the top 20 points. And that's what he had to do starting at, uh, starting at Texas in June. He had Texas, Iowa, Gateway, Chicagoland, Kentucky, Pocono, Eldora, and Michigan to win a race and be in the top 20 in points. Fort Worth doesn't necessarily go as, as planned. He gets a, he, he, he finished 10th. He was a lap down, though. Didn't necessarily have the best truck. But he goes out in Iowa and wins. I mean, he dominates. Then gets DQ'd. Too low. I'm like, are you serious right now? I, I This happened. I just won a race. I've, 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 I've locked myself in if I can get to top 20 points. But now you've taken a whole race away. So you don't have eight races. You have seven races. Because you basically only got one point out of the deal. Then he comes out. Gets racing redemption, as uh, Vince Welch said on the TV broadcast, in wins gateway. Might have been a really good call from his crew chief, Phil Gold, but he still had to go out there and do it. He still had to go out there and drive the drive the truck. And then he, he goes out there and wins Pocono again, and he makes it in the top 20 in points. That's that's mine, because I don't know how many people actually thought he could do it. Maybe it was a one-off with that, with that Kansas win. He can get to the top 20 points easy. That, that's easy to do. But can you win a race? And he did. That's my performance. Just, just that, just that, that, just that eight race run. I, I was, I was shocked, but not shocked at the same time. Uh, and the way that he, 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 particularly that first three races, the way he handled the Iowa DQ and goes out and wins Gateway. That's mine. So that's that's the awards. That's our first. That's our first awards. Uh, Rob, we got through it. Good job. I loved. I loved your choices. Uh, and I. Selfishly, I'm glad we we had uh, uh, five of them that were different too. You know, giving a little bit of love to everyone, but that's our show. We can do what we can do what we want. We can make our, we can our own rules. Whatever we want. We make the rules, not not everybody else. Exactly. Unless they yell at us enough, I don't know. Exactly. Well, you know what? Yell at us. Yell at us. It, it, Who's going to yell at us though? Do what we want. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, okay. Moving on now. Rob's got a rest of the best. That is a driver announcement special, team announcement special. Take it away, Rob. Woohoo! Let's talk about the, the all the silly season news. Uh, GMS Racing added a fourth full time driver to their 2020 lineup on the NASCAR uh, Gander Outdoors and RV Truck Series. I think that's what it's called now. I, I had to stop and pause my brain for a hot moment there. Uh, but anyway, Zane Smith. Zane Smith is going to drive full time there after driving a few races select races with junior motorsports in the number eight car in the xfinity series on another leg gms racing announced that of course they're shutting down their xfinity series program so that kind of leaves john hunter nemechek looking for a ride but i've heard that he's being linked still to replace david reagan over at front row motorsports and yeah. also possibly matt tift too depending on if T- unless tift's not able to come well wait they've no, already parted ways they already parted ways yes you're right never mind that was my bad. Sorry. I had another brain fart. Sorry. Um, it's okay. But anyway, my point is, my point is, yeah, I think that's probably where uh, John Hunter Nemechek will end up going. Um, Mike Snyder will make select starts in the NASCAR Xfinity Series for racing report from Tax Slayer. Snyder is the 2018 Truck Series Rookie of the Year and raced in the NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series Elite 2 division last season. Uh, and, and IndyCar had wild silly season. I mean, we all thought, I most people thought, IndyCar CLA season was done. Like, we were done. We were over it. It was done. And then all of a sudden, you get the, the Hinch news. Now, Hinch doesn't have a ride. And now we've got two more drivers that don't have a ride. 
Uh, Spencer Piggott is out of a ride. He's been replaced by uh, 2019 Indy Lights runner-up Renus VK. Uh, and now four-time IndyCar champion Sebastian Bourdais is out at Dale Coyne Racing. A new need for funding is said to have led to Coyne's decision to start Stan Bourdais down in favor of finding a paying driver to complete the entry's operating budget. So Dale Coyne going back to another pay driver is kind of upsetting. But again, it's very sad to see a lot of veteran IndyCar drivers out of right and very, very talented veteran IndyCar drivers like Piggott, Hinchcliffe, and Bourdais. All three of those guys, you know, if if I was starting up an IndyCar team, those would be my three first picks probably of guys that could probably do it. I mean, Hinchcliffe has got, you know, he's got the personality behind it. Piggott's got the consistency. And Bourdais got four championships in a bunch of Formula One starts. I mean... There's no reason why anybody out there shouldn't be picking these guys up unless money's a, unless money's the only issue. If money's the only issue, I can get it. But if money's not an issue, come on, guys. We should be going out there and getting these three gentlemen because they're far too talented to be out of a ride this um, this deep into the offseason. Yeah, I think, the, I think the Bourdais thing may, is Hinch going there. I, I, that's my first thought. I'm like, is Hinch got some money that he's taking to Dale Coyne and Dale Coyne wants the money? Can he I, I'm get just, his uh, Honda contract back so that he can run a Honda? Or is he going to have to run a Chevrolet because he's burned bridges with Honda? I don't know the details of that, yeah, but well, I, would, I, I would be worried about that. Yeah, We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, right? Um, That's yeah, exactly why I'm worried about those three guys because I don't know really where they can go, unfortunately, um, unless it's you know one-off Indy 500 entries. You know, I mean, or unless somebody decides to open up a, a, another car, which at this current moment, I I just don't see playing out. I mean, Ganassi already opened up a third car for Marcus Erickson, and I didn't think that was going to happen. So really, to be honest with you, I am kind of nervous to see what's going to happen with some of these guys. Well, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting, I think, in the next few weeks. Uh, might be a slow week this week with it being th- Thanksgiving over here in the States, but I think it will be interesting to watch those three drivers particularly because I don't think anyone saw these things coming, or at least there's no rumblings about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, just shocking. You thought you thought it was going to be a slow, silly season, and then you know the, this this month of November has turned it upside down, and, and like, like you said, very crazy. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some more uh, driver announcements for, for NASCAR, as far as NASCAR is concerned. So be very, very, very fun to pay attention to um, through the December months or the through uh, Christmas weeks here coming up. So here we're going to move on now to, I think I'm going to have fun with this. I'm really liking this segment. I like our awards segment, but I really like this one. Robin Roller's way too early 2020 predictions. I mean, it's just a prediction. It's all it is. I'm not staking I'm pretty good on at it. These. You know that? Say what? You know, I we found out I'm pretty good at these. So you, yeah, we, we yeah, well, I found out the hard way, didn't I? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Well, well, let's let's go ahead and start, and we're going to start with Formula One. We got four predictions here in Formula One. So the first one, Rob, does Lewis Hamilton make it to 91 to 92 career victories in 2020? Absolutely. I don't even think I need to dis- explain that with an argument. If you've watched Formula One at all for the past four. You know that this is an inevitability. Lewis Hamilton will win at least half of the races at some point. That, yeah, that's all I, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, all I, I have agree. to say. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really simple question, but I agree. I, I agree. He gets and to a hundred or something. I don't know. I think he's going to top. I mean, well, on top of that, I think he's going he's going to top Michael Schumacher with wins. I think another championship. 
plain and simple. Uh-huh, so. 100%. I mean, we're going to look back and, you know, pe- but th- this is the thing that's interesting is people are going to look back at the Schumacher era and see and say that, you know, and it's interesting to look at the Schumacher era. In 2002, Schumacher clinched the championship in July. Let's not yeah, forget that. I mean, Hamilton winning all these championships, he's had a lot more competition. He's had Vettel and Alonso he's had to beat for championships. So I, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, I'm not saying that Shumi isn't one of the best, but boy, if Hamilton isn't making the case for it, I, I don't know what he's doing. I agree. So the next one, this was a little more complicated, but will an organization from outside the big three, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari, win a Grand Prix in 2020? If there's, if there's a Grand Prix that gets crazy with rain, yeah, probably. And it'll probably be a McLaren. If not, nope. No way. I doubt it. I don't see it happening. I, I, I love how we think alike because I was going to say the exact same thing. But I think if it's anyone, it's going to be McLaren because you got, you got the big three, then you have McLaren, and then you have everyone else. That's kind of, and then you have Williams. That's kind of how it works right now. Yep. And I think, and I, again, I kind of lose back to what I said earlier in the awards part. I think they're making strides in the right direction. I think they have a combination of, of drivers and, and personnel. It's going to be. don't look like a complete joke right now, like they did when they tried to come over here in May. That's very that. true. That's very true. They look a lot right. better right now than they do. Right? They look a lot better over there, over over here. So I'll tell you that. So yeah. All right. The last two here for F one. Very simple. I'm pretty sure we're both going to say the same thing. But who's the constructors champion and who's the drivers champion? Constructors cha- and a constructors championship is a little bit harder to get because I think the constructors championship could be a little bit closer if. Uh, you know, if Ferrari gets Vettel and Leclerc finishing as consistent as Bottas and Hamilton are, I'm I'm not ready though quite yet to give it to Ferrari. So that's why I'm going to go ahead and give it to Mercedes again next season. I want to give it to Ferrari because I really think they can do it, and I think that Red Bull Albin has been incredibly consistent. So I think you know Red Bull could even be in the mix there, but I think it'll be a toss up for second in the constructors' championship more than it will be uh, right now in the right now for today of course that again we are talking about way too early this season isn't even done yet we haven't even seen next uh next season's cars we don't know any of that all we know is it's going to be the longest season in formula one history we're going to go to vietnam and thankfully though we are going to go back to holland so that's kind of cool if anybody would like to venmo me some money to go out there and see the race that'd be great um (laughs) I, i i don't even need to pay for uh to for me a place to stay i have family out there i promise uh, so just give me the plane ticket and the Grand Prix ticket. That's all I'm asking for. But anyway, uh, driver's champion, ah, Lewis Hamilton will do it. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know. I need to think about that. It's going to be Lewis Hamilton again. I mean, I'll, we you probably could have said this last season, but you're right. You're right. I'm going to, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to be more confident with Mercedes because I think Red Bull is going to give Ferrari problems. I think that, I think, I think that's, it's going to be, you're going to have like Mercedes average is second place points day. Um, as far as constructor, or as far as you like, you know, drivers are concerned, and then you're going to have Red Bull and and and, and Ferrari going at it head to head a little bit more. Now that you're going to have two good drivers, and now you have a little bit more a better power underneath your car. Uh, but and then drivers champion is Lewis Hamilton. I'm not even going to question that. Not even going to question it. With that, moving on to IndyCar. This seven drivers won at least one race in 2019. Will more than that win in 2020 in the 17 races? I don't think so. 
I I I I don't think they'll win more. Anybody will win more than that. Um, I think we'll probably see seven again. Seven's probably about the number that I I see most. There's probably about seven or eight guys in IndyCar right now that can win. Um, that can win week in and week out, I should say. So that's why I'm gonna say it's probably gonna stick to that. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and there's gonna be eight winners. And you're, and you're gonna say there's gonna be eight. Okay, I'm you're gonna say there's gonna be eight here. You don't. Okay. Yeah, it's way too early predictions. It's way. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say it's gonna be like five guys, four or five guys who win one race, and then the other three get multiple wins. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, will someone other than Will Power or Simon Pagino win the IndyCar Grand Prix at IMS? Uh, I don't think so. Penske's way too good. He knows that thing by the back of his hand. He's got Will Power and Simon Pagino. Scott Dixon could give them a run for their money. Yes. But I just think Penske Power is way too good. Yeah, again, we got agree. I'm agreeing. We're agreeing on this. I think it will be Will Power, Simon Pagino. Will Power is so good there. Simon's so good there. I, I don't. We're talking think... about the last two drivers to sweep the month of May. And exactly. It's never been done before until these two guys did it back to back years. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. They're good at Indianapolis. Period. Yeah. When it comes to the month of May, they're it, good. It doesn't on, on, and it doesn't matter what track it is, what track configurations. They're gonna figure out ways to win there. And Penske will too. He doesn't care what race it is. You could race a, you know, a, you could take a few little uh, RC cars out in the parking lot, uh, a, a, out in the Coke lot, and I guarantee you, if Roger Penske built them, they would still win. Yep, yep. That, that's the way they are. That's the way things are. All right. So, will the Indianapolis 500 be a repeat or a first-time winner? I think we're due for a for a first timer again this season. I think we're really due for a first timer. I think it's going to happen. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm I was interested with the way the cars are going to handle at Indianapolis this past season in 2019. I think that you know with the aero screen, we could probably see a lot more drafting now because we could be seeing these cars punch a little bit bigger hole in the air. So yeah, I'm actually going to say that it's entirely possible that we could have a a, a first time win. I'm going to go Indianapolis with repeat. I'm going to go with repeat. I'm going to go with repeat. I think you got a couple previous winners in the field. You know, you look at uh, Power, you know, uh, Pagano and Rossi and Dixon. I think I think they're going to be good again. And Hunter Ray, too. And Hunter Ray, too. Let's not forget about him. I think I think those guys are, are going to be up at the top, which means this next question is also related. Since... Since 2014, no team that wasn't named Andretti or Penske has won the Indy 500. Will someone other than Andretti or Penske win the Indy 500 in 2020? This is a really tough one because I want to give it to Ganassi. But Scott Dixon, and Scott Dixon is really, really good. He's a really good driver, but he's got this one win at Indianapolis. I think he's got to get that monkey off of his back at some point. I don't want to say Scott Dixon's going to win next season. But I do think that it, if if I don't, I, I'm not going to say Scott Dixon's going to win the race because I already said that it would be a different driver. But I do think that it will probably see that that trend be broken. Um, you know, I know that those guys are really, really good. But again, if and only if, because this is way too per, way too early, I could say this. Um, uh, I could say this. I think that we'll see. Uh, I'll, I think that we'll see someone else other than Penske or. or and Dreddy win the race just because I think that if if what's 
I'm hearing is true that the arrow screen is going to punch a little bit bigger hole in the air. I think it's it's probably going to lead to some crazy stuff that probably could lead to a, a different winner. Well, since I say there's going to be a repeat winner, and the repeat winners who are going to be in solid rides next year are mainly in Andretti cars, I got to go with the odds and say, no, there's there won't be a team that, that isn't Andretti or Penske related win this race. So, plain and simple, I can't. I mean, I, I you're. I think we're both right. I mean, you, you could both be right in this situation. It's like it's too way too early, but. Um, I think it's going to be an Andretti or Penske car that pulls into victory lane and that driver gets to drink the milk, plain and simple. His mm-hmm. choice, his, his choice of milk. So driver's champion, who do you think it's going to be? I love putting you in these situations. I just want to say that. I love putting you in these situations. Because you just like to see my brain try and process every possibility that I think it could be. Like I'm trying to go through all the analytics and and try and think some of these some of these i think of ahead of time but other ones i i think to myself oh i can't think of that right now i'll think of it in the moment right i'll think (laughs) of it in this moment and then here i am you ask me the question i'm like i haven't even been able to start to think about it um this is this for indy indycar is a lot more of a toss-up than formula one it'll probably be a penske driver that's what i'll say it'll be a penske driver i don't know who but it'll be a Penske driver. It'll be either Will Power, Simon Pagano, or um, Joseph Newgarden. I don't know who, but it'll be one of those guys. Yeah, let's see. This is the one. Like this is. The, I think this might be the. Tr- yeah, this isn't the trickiest. I think it's like one of the one or two or three trickiest questions we got on our list here. Um, but I'm going to be a little bit more specific, and I'm going to go with Will Power. I I think he wants to get that. He lost a few before he won one, and now I think he feels like he's lost a few. And he's no he's like, I need to win one again. I think I need to win one for Roger and and Verizon to keep them both happy. I don't think he's in. A, I don't think he's worried about his twenty twenty one ride with Roger. But I think there's you know there's a standard, right? And I and I think he wants to ex, exceed that a little bit. So yeah, I'm going to go straight up willpower for for the champion in in 2020. Way too early though. All right, so on the NASCAR and more specifically the Truck Series, there were six first-time winners in the Truck Series in 2019: Austin Hill, Ross Chastain, Tyler Ankrum, Stuart Friesen, Spencer Boyd, and Todd Gilliland. Will there be more, same or less first-time winners in 2020? Rob, I think we're going to have more. I think the talent of the Truck Series continues to fluctuate year to year uh there's some drivers that get in good rides that end up winning like austin hill i didn't ever expect him to win a race this season because i just hardly ever heard of him and then all of a sudden he comes right out and wins three races and i'm like okay guy's pretty good guys guy must be pretty good so you know i think and, and looking at at right now some of the rookies and some of the drivers that are announced for the truck series yeah i think we're going to see seeing way more first time winners this upcoming season you know, you got the veterans out there, but I think these young guys are going to come in and, and really, really shake things up. I'm going to go with less. I'm just going to go with less because I, I look at the guys, and this, some of this depends on a couple driver where they land up because we don't really know the full truck series lineup yet. But I'm going to go with less, and I think three of them will come from Kyle Busch Motorsports. I think, I mean, Eckes is going to get a win. 
Um, Chandler Smith might get a win because I think he'll probably be driving the 51 truck in a few races. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I, what I saw of Rafael Lasard, I was a little. I'm like, he's like, is he good or? But he's going to be a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck. I think. I think. Right. I think he'll be. I think he might have a shot at winning a race, at least one race. Um, and I look at like Zane Smith as another guy, you know, to to get get it, get get the win. So I'm going to go with less, and I'm going to more specifically point to four. Uh, 2020. Um, will include the eighth running of the Eldora Dirt Derby. There has never been a repeat winner. Will 2020 yield a first repeat winner? This is a bit of a toughy one. Uh, no, no, I don't think it will. Um, because I think this race is such a toss-up. It, it happens once a year. It happens one time in one NASCAR series, and there's so many people who want to get into the race. There's so many who have varying levels of dirt track experience. The whole track is essentially crapshoot everybody in the show. It does not matter if you're a, a incredible dirt track ra- racer. If you're not in a good truck or if you don't understand how to drive these trucks, you're not going to have a good, you're, you're going to have a bad time. If you're in a great truck and a great pavement driver, but you might be a little bit rough on, on dirt, you might have a bad time. You might run around the top and the front, but I don't think you're going to win. You know, it's just too much of a toss-up. I just don't think that there's been a guy out there that hasn't, you know, already moved up that would be willing to come down and win the thing again. You know, I just, I just really think that we're going to keep seeing, you know, brand new winners and no repeat winners for a while in this event, just because of how unique it. Well, I think it's a lot of this depends on three factors. One is Stuart Friesen in a truck next year. Does Chase Briscoe race in this race next year? And then Matt Crafton. And you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say one of those three guys is going to win this race next year. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. Um, so okay. we'll, we'll have a first, we, we will have a first repeat winner in the uh, truck series coming next year. And maybe you never know. I Maybe Kyle Larson will come back down. We'll see. Maybe not. Probably not, but maybe I'll, I'll cross my fingers. Anyways, um, so a Kyle Busch Motorsports driver, we got Christian Eckes and Rafael Lassard, the two full-time drivers, will be in the championship four at ISM Raceway next year. One of the, At least one of those guys, maybe both. Will either of them make the championship four? I think Eckes will. I think if Eckes comes out and has a really good season, which he's proved, I think in his, in his couple of races, he was pretty good. He looked really, really good in the Arca series as well. I think that Christian Eckes has a lot of talent and a lot of potential. I think he could be the guy who goes in there and wins. Like I said, we don't really know much about Raphael Lassard at all. Yeah. I don't want to overrate him or underrate him, so I'm just going to kind of ignore him because he's just quite honestly an unknown for me. I don't know how he's going he's gonna to do. I have no honest idea. But I do know Christian Eckes, and I think that it's entirely possible that Christian Eckes ends up being in the championship forum. That will probably make Kyle Busch very happy uh, for sure. So, yeah, I think that uh, Christian Eckes is probably going to be that guy who has probably the best chance at making it. So if there's any guy who's going to be in there, it's going to be him. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Eckes, I, I'm, I, I was not surprised when he was announced that he's going to be in that 18 car. Um or an 18 truck, excuse me. But, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be there for sure. I think he's going to have a couple wins, 
by the end of the season too. Uh, so um, with that, couple wins, him in the championship four. Who's your champion next year? Now this is another one where I just don't know. How am I supposed to pick this one? Um, this I, mean, one, I, I think I didn't think it was going to be Matt Crafton. I didn't think it was going to be Matt Crafton this season. I didn't even think this is. I I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't it is. Know. This is the toughest NASCAR one, though. I think this is the toughest NASCAR. I, look, it, it could be anybody. I have no honest idea. I don't even. I don't know. That one, I, I can't even. I, can, I don't even think I could choose. I, I guess if I had to choose, it would probably be a guy who's been in the series for a long time. Yeah, sure. Maybe Matt Crafton will do it. Or maybe Johnny Sauter will do it. Maybe Grant Anfinger will do it. I, I don't know. <laughs> and I know I just listed off only Thorpe's cars, but it, it could be Austin Hill on a fluke. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to go with Brett Moffitt. I mean, I just think he he's, he's very consistent. Um and and he didn't have a truck he needed uh, a homestead, but I mean that could happen to anybody. I mean, look at Kevin Harvick; he needed a little bit more. Justin Allgaier needed a little bit more this year as well. So did Christopher Bell. I mean, he dominated the Xfinity Series, but just didn't have uh, didn't have his uh, the, his day. He just didn't have it. Or just really the night race, but he really didn't have his night. But I won't go with Brett Moffitt because I think he's I think. He's been the most consistent guy the past two years, though. And I think that's just simply that. I don't see that changing. So we're going to move on now to the Xfinity Series. Uh, the big three uh, in 2019 were Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer. If there is going to be a big three in 2020, who will they be? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Josh, can you go first so I can look up the 2020 Xfinity Series roster? quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, okay i think i think there's two she wins if there was going to be a big three because that's the thing if if there's a big three and if there's going to be a big three two of them are going to be justin allgaier and ross chastain based off of the rest of the roster that we know i say the third guy comes down to a chase briscoe if he signed with Stuart Haas racing again and austin Cindric. If and and I and I just and, and it's so tough. It's just so tough because I don't see anyone else. I do not see the three Joe Gibbs guys going out there and lighting the world on fire, or one of them lighting the world on fire. So sorry, Brandon Jones. I know it's your fifth year, but I just don't see it lighting the world on fire. Prove me wrong. I love you to prove me wrong, though. Um. Um. But yeah, yeah. I think the locks are are Chastain and Allgaier. In the third is a toss-up between Briscoe if he signs with Stewart House Racing in Cindric. I think Cindric's learned a lot. Briscoe's learned a lot. Heck, we forgot Briscoe was a rookie this year, folks. We had to be reminded multiple times by Fox and NBC that, hey, that's a rookie stripe on the back of his car. Go ahead. You're up now that you've seen the roster. Okay, so now that I've seen the roster, it's a bit easier for me to kind of predict who I think might be in there. Obviously, Ross Chastain is definitely going to be guys in the uh, Justin Allgaier is probably going to also be up in there as well. Um, outside of that, it's really too soon to tell. I think that we'll have to see where everybody shakes out, you know, because there's not going to be a big three anymore. We're not seeing anybody returning. Um, you know, I think Michael Lynette's another guy who made a lot of great progress this season. Very fair. He was actually fair one, of my, um, one of my runner-ups for choosing most improved driver 
because I just thought that you know he had one of the best. He had a really really good season. He won a, won his first Xfinity race, uh, and he made the playoffs. He just he did pretty well, um, and he wasn't kind of just like an also ran in the playoffs either. Like you know he had been the past couple of seasons where he'd make the playoffs on points, but then just kind of fall out, get eliminated in the first round, and just kind of cease to exist. He was in it pretty much till the end. He, he made the round of eight, which is impressive for him. So. You know, that's why I'm going to have to go ahead and, and say that it, it could be a toss-up. I think Noah Gregson could have a great season next se- year as well. So we could even be seeing those three up front. It, who's the fourth guy? I don't know right now. It's too soon to tell, to be honest with you. Um, I just do not know. Well, I mean, that that's why way too early predictions here. That's why we're having fun. Because the next one... You're having um, fun. I'm trying to figure out half of this. <laughs> I am I'm having a lot of fun with this. I love playing the early prediction game. Oh, I know. Um, all three Joe Gibbs Racing drivers, Riley Hurst, Brandon Jones, and Harrison Burton, will visit Victory Lane in 2020. Those are the full-time drivers. All three Joe Gibbs full-time racing drivers, Riley Hurst, who will be in the 18, Brandon Jones in the 19, and Harrison Burton, who will be in the 20, will visit Victory Lane in 2020. What do you think? I This is going to sound horrible, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all, but I just don't think Brandon Jones is going to win next season. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think I think Riley Herbst and Harrison Burton could could get some wins because they've done very well in in Gibbs equipment in the Xfinity series. I you've seen it happen before. So if they you know imagine if I mean looking at what they did in one off races, imagine what they'll do with a full season and an act and like a crew chief that get they they're learning with and a crew that they they're traveling with week to week. Man, I. But Brandon Jones is just—he—he's just stagnated. And I mean, that's—that's again, I'm not trying to be rude to him, but he's just really stagnated. You know, he's not improved. He got the win at Kansas, but it was really more of a win than anything. So for me, it's going to have to be—I'm going to say, yeah, Herbst and um, Herbst and Burton could probably do it, but I—I just unfortunately don't see Brandon Jones being the guy who's going. I think Harrison Burton goes to victory lane. I think that's a lock. But much like you, I'm going to go a little more on the fence and say Riley or Brandon will visit victory lane and the other one won't. Um, I know that, that that's really sitting on the fence. So my answer, the answer to my question is no, all three will not visit victory lane. Harrison, yes. Harrison will visit victory lane. Riley. Or Brandon won't. The other one will. So that's what I'm going with on that way. Um, Starting in 2020, Cup Series drivers will only be allowed to race in a maximum of five Xfinity Series races. How many races will Kyle Busch win? Will he go five for five? Four for five? Three for five? Two for five? One for five? Or he will win zero? What do you think? Uh, I hope he goes five for five. I really hope he goes five for five. I'd love to see it just to make everybody mad. Personally. Because this is this is what you guys do to me. You take away my ability to watch Cup guys in the something that I actually liked. I know it's crazy. I was like the one guy who actually liked it in the whole world. I feel. Um, so I hope he goes five for five. I, I mean, that's just me out of straight up spite. <laughs> well, there's there, everyone there. There's Rob. You know, you know, subject we've we've debated it a lot uh, this year. But I agree. I mean, I'm not going to go out of spite, but I agree. I think anytime he's in the Xfinity Series field, I mean, he is the absolute favorite. He's the guy to beat. And if you're going to beat him, he beat himself or his team beat himself for him. Uh, 
The problem is he's going to be on a team that probably won't be running every single race this year or in 20, in 2020. So, I mean, because you got Herbs is taking over the 18 car, which has been the, which has been Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin's playground uh, in the Xfinity series. And um, now they're going to be in a fourth car. So that's the concern I have, but he's going to win. I I don't care. He's going to win. He's going to get the best stuff. So, Rob, hey, favorite question of the day, who's the driver's champion in the Xfinity Series in 2020? Uh, This trusty sheet that I have in front of me that says, uh, let me close my eyes here. Uh, Ross Chastain. You guys can't see it, but he's literally closing his eyes. And he just like finger pointed onto the computer screen at 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 the uh, current driver lineup. I picked Ross Chastain. I mean, That's half of that I it. actually had some of my 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 eyes open to see where my finger was gonna land. But I did cheat a little bit. I did cheat a little bit because I looked at it and I was like, okay, who's the most likely guy to win this championship? Uh, I don't know. Probably not a Gibbs guy. Maybe not a Junior Motorsports guy yet. Uh, probably Ross Chastain. Yeah, I'm gonna go with him because he's like the guy who I believe will be the most consistent next season. Well, we both agree. I agree, Ross Chastain. I think Ross will be the champion. I think he. I think here's the thing. I think people sometimes have misjudged Ross in the college car this year. Ross strives from being in a car week in and week out. Why is he so good in that premium motorsports uh, car that that runs not very great? Uh, He's in it every week, and he's making it better, and he's learning the car. He wasn't in the 10 car for college racing every week, so therefore he couldn't get the most out of it and give the most out of it. So I think him racing in, in that 10 car, all 33 races next year, boom, lock champion, seal it, send it already to the print to the printers. So that brings us to the final list of way too early predictions. Alex Bowman and Justin Haley. This is the cup series, by the way, Alex Bowman and Justin Haley were first time winners in 2019. How many first time winners will it be in 2020 and name one? Okay, this I'm going to go out and and say this is this is maybe look with the big three of the Xfinity series moving up, that essentially leads me to say okay, well it's probably going to be one of those guys. So who's who's going to be the guy who's going to probably have the car that's going to be most consistent, and the best opportunity to get it done? Thinking Tyler Reddick is a really great driver, but I just think that. Childress's cup team is so much is just on a completely different level than the Xfinity team right now. And I just don't think the results are going to transfer over. We saw it with Hemrick. Hemrick's a great driver, but when you're in a mediocre car, how are you supposed to do well? I mean, Austin Dillon is running mediocre every week, and I don't even really think it's his fault either. I think Austin Dillon's a way better driver than people give him credit for. And it's because he's just sitting there like running around in a terrible car for most of the time. You're exactly Um, right. And so that's why I'm going to have to go ahead and, and say, yeah, there'll probably be more winners. And I think Cole Custer is going to be the guy who ends up being the winner. Uh, I think Cole Custer, I mean, not to say that Levine Family Racing isn't good, but I just don't think they're where they need to be for Christopher Bell. I think Cole Custer has the best chance because he's going to go in there. He's going to have experienced teammates in Kevin Harvick and Clint Boyer and um, Eric Almirola. He's going to have a lot of, people that are going to be helping him step by step. I think if anybody, he's going to be already established ride that's been 
that's won races before in the past with Kurt Busch and came close to winning races with Daniel Suarez, I, I think it's going to be Cole Custer who's going to be the guy who's going to win it. If he's going to be a first-time winner next season, he's going to be the guy, and I think we're going to have at least two, at least two or three. I'm going to go with – I don't agree. I don't think any of the guy, of the, the rookies will win, and we'll talk about that here, here in the next question. But I think William Byron is definitely a lock to win. And you know what? Matt Benedetto and Wood Brothers, I think he could win. He's a really good plate racer. And he's, I think he's a pretty solid guy on the short, shorter track, the short tracks, but also like the, the miles at ISM Raceway in New Hampshire. Um, so I think we're going to have two. And I'm going to put down Byron and, and Matt Benedetto as first-time winners. I give Matt... Or excuse me, uh, Ryan Priest a chance, but again, I'm going to only have super speedways for that one. Um, so I, I'm going to stick with two though. So Chris, and our next one, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, and Tyler Reddick all move up to the Cup Series, as you just alluded to. Will any of them make the playoffs? And who has the best shot at Rookie of the Year title? And I think you kind of already answered that one a little bit on the I previous think, one. Yeah, I think Cole Custer has the best shot, but I do think Christopher Bell has a very good chance to make the playoffs still like I still think I, I'm not don't get me wrong like I'm not writing this guy off I still think he'll have a pretty good season I think he might make the playoffs as well but you know I I think Cole Custer is going to be the most prepared out of all of them because he's going to have all the you know Tyler Reddick can go over to RCR and who's he going to talk to you know he's going to talk to Austin Dillon okay well that helps you a lot you know Christopher Bell how much how much is going to be able to talk to Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin you know, how much is he going to be able to talk to them? Are they going to be able to talk to him and after, offer him more advice than they already have? You know, for example, um, I, I just look at that personally, and I, I think that um, it's just got Cole Custer's name written all over it. And, and I, I'm just trying to rationalize any other way right now, but I just think that given the circumstances that we're in right now, I think Cole Custer has the best opportunity. So do any of them make the playoffs? Yeah, like I said, Bell and Custer probably do. I don't think Red. I think Reddick will be on the outside looking in. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's going to get in unless there's some kind of miracle. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with none of them make the playoffs. I do agree with you that Cole Custer is going to be the rookie of the year for similar reasons. He's good, does have a little more experience, but I think he's also walking into the most established ride in best organization he's going to have three good teammates i mean eric almirola is a good driver clint boyer is a good driver and kevin harwick's a champion okay he's he has three nascar titles to his name okay he's got two xfinity series titles and a cup title um levine family racing they're going to be running current generation equipment you know 2019 with matt benedetto they ran 2018 cars in 2020, they're going to be running 2020 cars because Christopher Bell is Joe Gibbs and Toyota's baby. So the, he, he'll, he'll run well, but I think there, there's going to be a connection issue at the, at the beginning of the year a little bit. So there'll be a slow start where Cole Custer will be a faster start. And just like you talked about with Tyler Reddick, he's walking into an or, a, a team that is – they showed good signs of life. I mean, Austin Dillon ran the top 10 at Homestead for most of the night, but it's spotty. Uh, and they have straight line speed, but they need to get the whole race put together a little bit more. Right direction, 
just not going to be there. But none of them make the playoffs. None of them win a race. Nope. I, I think I think Cole Custer will be like an 18th place car by 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 regular season's end. Um, so the next one, which I think is actually my favorite question, because I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. Who will be announced as a driver of the number 48 for Hendrick Motorsports for 2021? Which it's this is not 2020 predictions, but it will be announced in 2020. So therefore, it's part of our our predictions today. So who will be announced to replace Jimmy Johnson on the 48? Okay. Because this is, I'm going to say this half because I can't even rationalize it yet. That's just way too early to think about. But I really see Jimmy Johnson pulling a mark. Oh, man. (laughs) And just saying like, just saying like, yeah, I'm going to take a break for but you know i'm still gonna yeah, i'm gonna still race for a little bit you know oh and then just end up saying you know what i'll just what's one more season and then that one more season turns into oh what's, what's one more you know whatever I, I had such a great season passing love it or whatever it's just so i mean maybe a lot of that is me trying to rationalize the idea of jimmy johnson retiring because it's still fresh in my head and i still can hardly comprehend it oh man but i i I, I just I just think Johnson has a lot of unfinished business left. Yeah. In that he still has races to win. He still has a championship to win. Sure, anybody could go ahead and he could go out on top and say, I've got seven championships. I've got all these race wins. I'm fine and happy. But why would you not want to go for an eighth and then firmly solidify yourself as the GOAT? I mean, if I'm Jimmy Johnson, that's gonna that's the hardest decision for me that I would have to make family. And then deciding, well, do I want to go out on top? He could take a sabbatical and come back in a couple of years. I, I don't know. Maybe, you know, Hendrick decides, eh, okay, one of you guys aren't working out. Jimmy's back, you know. It could always happen. It happened yeah. with Mark Martin. Anything can happen. Um, that's why I'm going to say I'm going to say it because I have no idea who would be in that car. But I think that he's going to go ahead and Mark Martin himself and be the next Brett Favre. And come back and come very, very close to winning championship, only to throw an interception on the last play. Well, you heard it here, folk. First, folks, Rob Peters is predicting that Jimmy Johnson will be announced as the driver of the forty-eight for twenty twenty-one. I... Who are they going to find? Who are they going to find? I mean, think about that. Like with Mark my, Martin, my answer. When Mark Martin guy. was going to retire, who the heck were they going to put in there? I mean, they weren't going to put in David. They weren't going to put in Todd Cleaver. Neither of them were ready. They had to pick someone, and they were just like, okay, Mark like not retire for another year and mark's like okay yeah fine whatever i'll just keep one 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 more year in my contract who are they gonna find are they gonna move up noah gregson this early no are they gonna mm. go out and steal somebody else are they yes. gonna go back and steal in brett keselowski again I, I come on let's be honest steal him back i mean no it's it's who are they gonna get unless they're gonna go out and grab a big free agent next season uh, that's what they're gonna do okay tell me who do you think they're gonna grab then and it, and they have Chip Ganassi and Kurt Busch and Monster Energy to thank. Because they signed a multi-year deal, Ross Chastain will be in the 48 car in oh 2021. Oh my goodness, you are bold, brother. I am very bold. He's championship first in the Xfinity Okay, if, 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 if I, I, said, I, I said this, if, if Kurt signs a one-year contract, I think and, and it's done, Ross will be in the one car. Now, I think a lot of this does still hinge on how does Ross do in the first 17 races of 2020 in the Xfinity Series, but I think it's going to go well. 
and right, who yeah. and like and like you mentioned, let's look in the Hendrick Motorsports in Chevrolet, you know, development stage at Junior Motorsports. I don't think Justin Allgaier is going to get a chance at Hendrick Motorsports. Sorry, Justin, I, I just don't think so. And I think I he's. Think good. I think I like him being kind of the Xfinity series. He said huh? that a couple of times. I think Justin Allgaier said a couple of times he's happy in the Xfinity series. Yeah, and I think he's I think he's good at being the elder statesman role. I like that. Michael and that. I don't think he's gonna get a shot at Hendrick Motorsports, even and you don't need backing uh for it. Um and Noah Gregson, I don't think he's gonna be ready. I don't think he's gonna be ready for twenty twenty one. I think if he's back at junior motorsports in twenty twenty one, that's good. Um and obviously but the only other person I can see is Daniel Hemrick, maybe. But I think he's gonna have to do well in those twenty one races in the eight car. You look at you look at the rest of Chevrolet in the Xfinity series, and you're I mean you look at Justin Haley, and you got Ross Chastain. I mean, Ross Chastain is above is above everyone there. You look in the truck series, okay, you got Zane Smith, Brett Moffitt, Tyler Ankrum, um, and Sheldon Creed. I think three of those Brett Moffitt might be a kind of the, a, a Matt Crafton route and be in the trucks for his whole whole career. That's fine. I don't have I don't have a problem with that. That's that, that more power to you. It's good to have some elder statesmen, like I said, in a series. The other three, I think, need to run a full Xfinity series schedule. I'm a big believer of that. Ross Chastain has put his dues in, and mm-hmm. he's proven. I give me a car and I'll drive it. And he's never been in a car. One, he's never been in a car or truck like Colleg, and he's definitely never been in a car or truck like Hendrick. So Ross Chastain will be in the 48 car in 2021. Right there. I, I, I did not see your choice coming, though. I'll, I'll tell you that. So, all right, last question. Then we got to move on to upshift, downshift. Make it quick, Rob. Champion in the Cup Series in 2020. Kyle Busch repeats. Kyle Busch repeats. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. It's number two. All right. Okay. So, upshift, upshift, downshift. We're going to hit you with one right quick little bat. Whoa. Reminder, we're going to hit you with a question or a hypothetical statement. I think they're all things that have actually happened this week, so we're always going to kind of react to it. But Jimmy Johnson announced last week that he will retire. Do you upshift or downshift? You already know how I feel. I downshift. I think it's too I think it's too soon. I still think he's got st- time left in him. You know, I, I understand that the average NASCAR driver's uh, career is a lot lower now, it seems. I mean, maybe it's just relative to me because I've literally grown up with almost all of these drivers in right, right. my entire life now. But it just seems to me that, you know, you think about Richard Petty racing as, as early as, as the 40s and 50s and then realizing he finally decided to hang up his helmet in 1992. You know, that's a couple of decades worth of racing. Now we yeah. only get two out of them at best. You know, I'd like to see some guys run multiple decades. I know it's hard to do it, but... NASCAR has got to do something because we can't be losing these drivers this fast and, and not really having drivers that are up to their snuff. Like when you lose Gordon Stewart and Earnhardt all within like there are three year, years, like, back three back years back. of each other, you are going to be scraping for new stars. And the last thing that NASCAR could have afforded was Jimmy Johnson saying this. I think if anything, NASCAR throws some money at him and, Please don't do this right now. Please stay like like Mark Martin. Stay like Mark Martin. Do a couple more seasons. Uh, do maybe do some partial seasons. You know, get get a, a Hendrick guy, a Hendrick development guy, a couple of starts in like a car or something. While Johnson takes you know a, a partial schedule, something like that. 
it's just very difficult to, for me personally to think that Jimmy Johnson's already made up in his mind that he this is when he's going to call it quits because the way he was talking for so long made it seem like he still had plans to race for at least another three, four years. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's like, all right, this is my last one. You know, are you sure about that, Jimmy? And again, I don't want to be that guy who's like, no, don't retire because and say he can't. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. He's free to do whatever he wants. I just think personally, if I were him, I I, I might give it some more time and then maybe see. But I understand when you get a, when you have a family, you have a wife that you take care of. You want to be there for them. You want to be them there for them. I think Casey Kane is a great example. He's I think he's much happier now as a father than he ever was as a racer. And 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 sometimes that just happens. I, I, will that happen to Jimmy Johnson? I don't know. But you know, I just think that he. I, I just I just think he's uh, hanging it up a little too soon. I'm going to upshift. But, but I watched that press conference live, and um, I think he was convinced it's time. And I don't. I'm sure going 90 plus races without a win contributed to it. He said it really didn't, but I'm sure it does. And I think he wants to try new things. I don't, he's not hanging up the helmet for good. He said he might come back and do races, but he can't do it for Hendrick under the current rules of the RTA agreement. Um, They could run two drivers part-time, couldn't they though? Well, they could run two drivers part-time, but when you have, I don't think they want to, I I, I don't think they want to do that. Um, I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. I that was just that's just an idea. Like, I yeah, mean, I mean, it's an idea. It's a great, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's an idea, but I mean, he could come back and and do you know races like for Junior, you know, in the Xfinity Series. I, I think that would be neat. Him running the eight car a few times. He wants to do IndyCar, but fast anything but fast holes. He wants to maybe go back to dirt. He maybe wants to do sports cars. You know, he could. He he's Jimmy Johnson, the seven time NASCAR champion. I think he'll be an ambassador for NASCAR, whatever he's racing in. I think that's fine. And he wants to cut back on a 38 re- race reschedule. His girls are nine and six now, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's maybe time. And, and we have to accept that the lifespan of uh, a driver's career is shorter now, um, both because of the demands and the stress, um, but also you're making a little bit more money now than Richard Petty did in his time. You can hang up quicker. And if you're really successful like Jimmy has, you don't have to worry about it. Um, so the next question here, nine days ago, last Monday, not last Monday, nine days ago, uh, Adam Stern tweeted that Fox Sports uh, is, is expected to go with a two-man booth of Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon next season and not fill the vacated spot by Daryl Waltrip. Do you upshift or downshift? Look, man. Look. I just want Larry Mack back. Is that too much to ask for? I want my Larry Mack back in the booth. This is tough to watch, folks. I just want to see Larry Mack tell me things and yell at me but in a happier tone than Steve Letarte because all I ever get with Steve Letarte is yelling at me and telling me things that I already knew Larry Mack at least told me things I didn't already know well sometimes he did and we have a caution fun times no seriously (laughs) I I would love I would love for Larry Mack to just come back in the booth I I it just doesn't seem right without him up there. I'm sorry. It just it just does not seem right. Like Fox has this perfect chemistry for 15 years, and then they go and mess it all up, and then the last couple of years have just been kind of like listening to nails on a chalkboard and Mike Joy trying his best to make it sound like music. And, and now it's like, okay, we got Jeff Gordon and Mike Joy, but 
can we please have Larry Mack back, please? Like, please. If Larry Mack doesn't want to come back, then that's fine. But please, the rest of the world wants him back. That's why I'm downshifting, but I understand. Yes, I'm a grown man who just shed a cry, who just shed a tear over an old, balding crew chief who speaks with an incredibly thick southern accent, and I do not care. I'm going to – I like the idea, so I'm going to upshift. I agree. You know, it would be nice to have Larry back get back in the booth. I don't think it's going to happen because of the money they spent on this new studio for him to play whatever, you know uh, – now my name is starting to slip. The NFL rules analyst for Fox. But we yeah, want a rules yeah. analyst. Nobody wants a rules analyst. Well, basically. no one wants a rules analyst, but they want to him to have like everything at his disposal that he they can't set up at a track. And I I and I get that the so problem. Could... I I agree. I think he he needs to be there. But yeah. if I'm looking at the reality of what we know, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm surprised that they don't try to replace him with like a Jamie Mack. I don't know. I think Jamie McMurray would be all right in it, but what they're waiting for is Kevin Harvick. And I honestly believe Jeff Gordon's days at Fox are numbered, not because he's doing a bad job, but because he won't be Fox and team principal for Hendrick Motorsports. I yeah, don't think he'll true. do both. I think he will. Only be owner, uh, you know, and, and team principal and not owner, team principal, and TV booth. So that's what surprises me that they're not trying to get another guy. But maybe they just they feel like there's not another guy. Or maybe they did ask. You know, maybe they asked Jamie Mack. I don't want to do that. Maybe they asked uh, Bobby Labonte. I don't want to do that. I don't know. We, they, we haven't heard anything on it. So, I, I mean, I can only speculate. So, oh, I'm, okay with, I, I I'm, okay, I'm okay with what? I've got an idea. Well, I, I, when we finish here real quick, I'm okay with the two things, so I'm up shift with the last word here. Your idea. My idea is uh, Wally Dollenbeck. I guess, you know, you, you've got him. You've got him under contract. Use him. Yeah. Use yeah. him, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. what I'm saying. Okay. I, I, I could see that. Okay. We're going to, we had two really quick ones here. We're going to try to be a tad bit quick with this next one because, of, because the last one is really good. Uh, Racer.com ran a story on Michael Andretti owner of Andretti Osborne, stating that it is too easy for, quote, Joe Blow to get a car and enter a race. As a result, Andretti is wanting to go to a franchise system closer to Formula One or Formula E and allow current uh, IndyCar ownership to dictate dictate uh, new owners in the Indy, NTT IndyCar series. Do you upshift or downshift his plea? Uh, I, you know, it's, this is a hard one because I understand where he's coming from and I do think that the best route to go for uh, future motorsports, but you know that doesn't it kind of hurt the that idea of indie where bring what you bring what you run. Like I mean, is, if, if I want to see something like that, I mean, can it apply to everywhere but indie? Then then we might be talking. Then I might be then I might be cool. Then I might up then I might upshift if it's everywhere but indie. But for right now, I'm going to downshift. I, I downshift the idea. I think you got it. You have to allow because if you do that, you got, I got to antitrust stuff, and and I don't want to worry about that in sports. Okay. Yeah. No. If a guy, does. if I want, if I had the money, and I want, I'm going to try to go put Spencer Pickett in a car right now. Okay. I should yeah. be able to do that if I can afford to buy a chassis or two from whoever or build one mm-hmm. and buy the tires. 
by the crew, I should be allowed to do that with no one asking me what I'm doing or, you know, why I'm doing it. And I shouldn't have to ask one for permission. That's how I feel. That's why I don't really like the charter system and the cup series in NASCAR. No, I don't either. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't want that to affect other motorsports. In fact, if the charter system went away tomorrow, I throw a party. So moving on to this next one that you added. And I really like it because you had the, you had the rundown at the time and I would have added it too. But on Monday, Adam, this Monday, two days ago, Monday, Adam uh, Stern tweeted that NASCAR is considering cutting some track second dates off and adding street courses in bigger markets in 2021. Do you upshift or downshift on NASCAR going in this direction? I mean, come on. I'm downshifting 100%. Really? Street courses? Really? 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 Like, honestly, really? No, I mean, I'm serious. Really? Street courses? Really? I know. I, I, why? Why do we need to go to street courses when we have all of these ovals uh, all throughout the track, in, in, in small ovals in major markets all throughout the all throughout country? And we're not going there? Are you serious? I mean, come on. You want, you want to go to another race out in California? Why didn't you just, you know... Find a find a nice little short track out there. It's Kern County, Irwindale. Kern County, save those tracks. Go there and save those tracks. You know this is this is crazy. This is what are they talking about? Big major markets. Well, you're already in major markets. You're in Texas. You're in California. You're in Chicago. You're in New York. You're not maybe not New York City, but you're you're in you're, Dover and you're in uh and you're in upstate New York. And you're in Pocono not, too. Pocono is not too far away from New York. Right. And New Hampshire's really not that far away either. No, you're still in the new. You're still in the in in uh the Northeast, yeah. which is important. And you need yeah. to be going back more further to tracks down south because that's where you're really hemorrhaging fans. And we've talked about it on the track on this show for so long. This is ridiculous. This is like the most out of touch thing. I mean, cutting second dates at tracks is one thing. That's not really all that controversial. But street courses in major, right? Well, just come on. What, what are you, Formula E, Formula One, IndyCar? Are you just scraping the bottle of the barrel because you can't fill tracks on ovals now? Come on. That's, that's ridiculous. And, and who's to even say the racing is going to be good? You're going to take a big, heavy stock car and expect those to be able to go too wide through tight city streets? Yeah. No way. I, no. Yeah. I, I, I. This is what this is the first thing that came to my mind. What did I don't want to know whose idea this is because Steve Phelps about ten months ago said, "You know what? NASCAR might have lost its way." What is this? Yeah, this is losing what is your this? way. This is I mean, I downshift. On, I downshift on this so hard. I just broke my gear. My, my first off, my shifter and my transmission is laying in the middle of the road. That's how hard I just downshifted. At that time when Dale Jr. ripped his shifter off and just threw it in the back of the car. Yeah. I mean, look, look, NASCAR, this is what NASCAR, I agree. I agree that we need to cut some second dates. Now, second weekends. I don't mind if we add a few. I think the dual weekends can be used three or four times a year. And I think there's a couple tracks that are good candidates for it. But we, we don't need to be going to some of these places twice a year. We need to add two or three short track weekends. So South Boston, Nashville Fairgrounds, Kern County, that gives you a short track out west because right now our, our short tracks are like right all in the same spot. You need to add two or one or two road courses. And I don't and at this point, I look at Atlanta Roval as a great option. Needs modifications, but do it. Road America. Folks, do it. 
Um, and you need to add two or three races in the southeast because that's your bread and butter. Please, please. The northeast add. is modified. Northeast is modified. Midwest is IndyCar and dirt cars, and out west it's dirt cars. All right, and sports car racing. Look, you got to you, you, the core NASCAR stock car fan base is always going to be in the southeast from the, from like Alabama up to Virginia down to Florida. That triangle of land is going to be your base, your strongest fan base, and you can't be adding. A, 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 a street course in Long Beach, Houston, New York City slash New Jersey, Seattle. I mean, I agree. I will go yeah. to this point. If you were to go to a new market, I you actually, to, when you said you said Seattle, Seattle would be the perfect place. And see the Northwest. Hold, that that it, let, let me say. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm okay with them doing one street course as a special event in a place where there's no current racetracks to go to. I can bite that. Seattle. I can bite that. Seattle, that would be a perfect location because there's a big demand for racing out there in the Pacific Northwest. There's unfortunately not a whole ton of of racetracks up there that are capable of holding a ton of of big name races. So I think if NASCAR wanted to go and say, okay, we'll do a street course out here in Seattle, we'll take away, I don't know, a Kansas date or a a Dover date or something, I don't know, um, and, and we'll go there. I, I have no problems with that. Now, what I have a problem with is if we're cutting races and replacing those cut races with a bunch of random street courses in big big events. That's yeah. where I'm having a problem. If they want to do this as a one thing to maybe create uh, a, a, a racing culture in a place where it's, there's not currently a big racing culture. Or your I, racing I'm, culture. Your racing culture. Because right. I, I, I think you, you can't shove a Formula One race down just any Americans fan or no, throw, right? You can't, you can't do that. You can't shove dirt racing down just any person's throat in the Northeast. You gotta, you gotta, mm-hmm. you're, you gotta, motorsports are so splintered. It's great. It's great. We have so many great series all across not only this country, but the world. You gotta stick with your bread and butter. I agree. Absolutely. I would, I wouldn't mind it being an exhibition race for the street course, but it, what I was, what I was alluding to was, if you were to add a race in one market, it needs to be the Northwest or the Pacific North, North Pacific Northwest. Northwest okay? Please. So, and, and and and, but that's the only place I want to see the see it added. But then again, like I've said, I've said this on the show before. Cup Series. You need to be going to um your big market tracks. So you got you got Chicago, you got Texas, you got Fontana, um, you got Tech. Uh, excuse me, uh, Phoenix. Okay, Las Vegas. You got the big market tracks there. You need to be going to historical racetracks: Indianapolis, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, Daytona. Those are covered. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be going to the historical tracks to Cup to the Cup Series in NASCAR: Darlington, the Bristol's, the Martinsville's of the world. Um, yes, even the Nashville's of the world. Okay, those those are your three categories. Now, the exception to those categories would, to me, is like sh- shoving a, a short track in. Uh, the, in, in the on the west coast, and I look at Kern County as a great place to go to if they can make the proper modifications. Um, and, and NASCAR will say, "Hey, yeah, we'll give you a date if you if you do this," like they did with a couple tracks in the late nineties. But then this is what the Xfinity and Truck Series is for. The Xfinity Series goes to Gateway, Iowa, could go to Pikes Peak, could go to Memphis, could go to the Milwaukee Mile. Those are markets the Cup Series can't go to because you can't just fit everything on the on the calendar, and you can't. Um. Uh, and you can't over flood places with with races either. And then you also have the truck series. You can go to even the more niche places like Oxford Plains in Maine. All right. Yes, mm-hmm. I've said that many times before, but I want the truck series to go to Maine. 
That's what I got to say about that. So yes, I down. We I think we both downshift on that. So now we're running out of time. We're running out of time, I, big time. We should probably just jump right into the featured racetrack. Yes, we we need to just jump right into it. Today is a lot of history packed. I have to cut some stuff out. We'll see how quickly I can talk and make sense. Um, this track, like I said, short lifespan, a lot of history, and I'm just going to brush the surface. Located approximately 17 miles as a crow flies from the White House, or a 35-minute oh. drive under great conditions, lies the track nicknamed Tobacco Land and the Grand Lady of the East, Marlboro Motor Speedway in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. That's today's featured racetrack. The site began its life as a dirt oval with a length of one-third mile and then was somehow classified as a four-tenths mile. There's really not much difference there, but people felt it was necessary to change it. The configuration only lasted two years, from 1952 to 1953, before it was paved into a one-third mile for the 1954 season. Uh, the road course opened, uh, uh, that I'll talk about today, the big one, uh, opened in 1954. It was seven-tenths of a mile, very elementary for a road course. It was uh, also around this time we got the nickname Tobacco Land, not because of the track's name, Marlboro. We all know the, the famous Marlboro cigarettes. If you're a motorsports fan, you really know it, but in general, I think know what Marlboro cigarettes are, but it's not because of that. It was because of the proximity to a lot of tobacco-drying warehouses. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, the seven tenths mile uh, road course was very low budget and received complaints that other road courses received in its day. It was tight and go kart like, so it was just short though, very short, not a whole lot there. Um, Enter the newly formed Lavender Hill Mob Racing Association in 1955. Uh, they were comprised of Washington D.C. based SCCA drivers and managed to put together enough funds to have the circuit increased to 1.7 miles. They wanted a place. Uh, to race because airports were becoming more and more hesitant to allow races on their runways. Uh, track owner Eugene Cheney was delighted with uh, to work with, quote, the mob. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, it was it, it was most definitely worth mentioning that uh, the one-third oval was actually a part of the road course. The start-finish line uh, for both circuits shared, we shared the same start-finish line. Racers exited the oval and oval turn one and went into the road course before re-entering the oval at, towards the end of the road course in oval turn two. Uh, so they would go around turns three and four on the oval as part of the road course. Cars often got airborne while exiting and entering due to the banking changes and, and whatnot there. Um, it's also worth noting that post-road course instruction, the, ro- the uh, oval was very rarely used. Uh, the road course had three straights that were very, very close together and were separated by only a few trees and wooden guardrail, uh, adequate for the day, but would not pass safety uh, acceptable standards today. Uh, in 1957, the track was featured in the Sports Illustrated article showcasing 11, uh, 11 of its races that would be offered that season. Carol Shelby uh, was quoted in saying that the fre- frequent shifting and braking demanded by Marlboro was tiring on the driver's and that it was like beating each other with a short stick. Uh, Denise uh, McCloud, that's how I'm going to pronounce that, later called Marlboro a squirrel cage-like, twisty, curling, butt sporting circuit. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to say that it means it was difficult. Uh, Being so close to Washington, D.C. made Marlboro a very special and prestigious uh, to win at. Reporters were eager, eager to go there and out and cover the races, and the SCCA was more and more willing to give Marlboro more than its fair share of races in a racing season. Uh, the mob, the quote mob, 
might have contributed to that. And that is a very popular watering, watering hole also called the Old Brick Inn. Uh, in any way, Marlboro was a track everyone wanted to win at just because of a number of different reasons. In 1958 and 1959, the SSEA's President's Cup was presented to Walt H- uh, Hansgen and Don Sessler, uh, respectively, at Marlboro Speedway. The SSEA's President's Cup was presented to the driver demonstrating ability, competitiveness, and success at the national championship runoffs and is still presented to this day. Um, let's see. A variety of events took place at Marlboro, including six and 12 hour races and the refrigerator bowl, which was held in January, very cold in Maryland in January, I might add. Uh, but they still had a lot of big crowds show up, uh, as far as, as far as, uh, entry list crowds, uh, despite putting on, uh, putting on most of the time, good racing Marlboro struggled, uh, to bring in the cash because of the size of the circuit and land coverage. Other big names like Watkins Glen, Riverside, and Road America were over two miles in length, or Road America's over four miles in length, uh, and they weren't crammed into so, such a small acreage, acreage, and they discovered more land and more opportunities for people to uh, to watch the race and then make more money. Les Netherton purchased the track in 1965, his desire to keep uh, the schedule uh, the way it was, but he also wanted to find the right race lengths to match the appropriate purse money to draw the big drivers and teams. He also wanted to acquire adjacent land to expand the course. Uh, keeping his promise, the 12-hour race that year saw an th- increase of $3,000, and factory teams from Lotus and Plymouth both showed up. In 1967, the track was awarded the biggest race yet, a Trans Am race, which was hailed by, uh, hailed by quote, by far Washington's greatest day of racing, uh, end quote. Uh, that was by Sports, the publication known as Sports Car. Uh, pre-race favorite Ford Mustang suffered issues, and the 12-hour race was won by Bob Tullius and Tony Adamwicks, Adamwicks in a Dodge Dart. Uh, legal issues start to set in in 1967, however. Tracks of President Baden owed more money uh, to the bank than he had, and current owner Les Netherton fought to keep the track open in the courts. Trans Am returned, but instead of a 12-hour race... Uh, it would be two 300-mile races that were held that season, um, and their season went on like a, a race-by-race basis as another fought to keep the track open in the courts. Racing continued even though, uh, even through the property sale to developers in May of 1969, uh, they bought it for rapidly expanding D.C. metro area, but the ground that Marlboro occupied was not suitable for building Permanent structures for residential and commercial use. They didn't do their homework is basically what, what happened there. Uh, Netherland kept the track open going, but the major series had last. Basically, Trans Am and Cam Am were not going to come. Uh, the final race was in was the 1969 Turkey Bowl. Re- this was not planned. Okay? I did not know they had a Turkey Bowl at this track, but they did. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. Around this time of year, 189 cars entered the race. Ken Butler, a longtime racer at Marlboro, one in a Lotus 23. However, the race was marred by the death of a original Lavender Hill Mob member, Dick Lord, who suffered a heart attack on the cool-down lane. Uh, he oh. had raced in Marlboro every season since 1955. Then, after the Turkey Bowl, the track was padlocked. No ceremony, no racing ever again. The SSCA shifted racing in the region to newly built Summit Point Motorsports Park a few years later because it was way more, sa- uh, way more safe and it was way more accommodating to a variety of cars. Just bigger. Just a wider, longer, about the same length track thing. It was about two miles long. But it's just a better facility. Uh, now, actually, some of the tracks still exist today, all but in a very poor condition. 
Uh, the land was never redeveloped, but it remains fenced off and padlocked, so do not trespass. Uh, how many times have I said that on this show, Rob? I think I've said it too many. But do not uh, trespass. This, this podcast does not condone trespassing. Get, get permission, please. Um, as usual, and, well, maybe not as usual, but in many of these cases this, uh, on our shows, you can search historic aerials on Google, but make sure you click the viewer shortcut as the homepage has an issue for some particular reason at the moment. You can see some great aerials of this track from the 1950s and 1960s um, when the course was really looking great. Uh, and and uh, I know I mentioned this shot side a lot, but you can go to this place just for any reason. I love it. You can watch how your favorite town changed over the years. It's really, it's really just really cool. Um, Lost Road Courses today, uh, excuse me, Lost Road Courses by Martin Rudeau and the History of America's Speedways Past and Present by Alan E. Brown helped provide today's featured racetrack. Um, Definitely one we need to visit in the future and talk about more of the races that took place. And I know I rushed it today. I don't know how many minutes I just spent talking, but really, really cool race. Rob, before we go to the West and the Windshield and I start closing things out, anything you want to add? Uh, nothing. I just thought that was really interesting. I'd never heard about it until today. So thank you for that uh, that history lesson. Yeah, no problem. I enjoy it. It's definitely, I think, one of my favorite probably is my favorite segment of the of our show so what's in the windshield for starters and finishers the 2019 formula one world championship officially crowns a champion lewis hamilton on sunday in abu dhabi uh in the uh, 2019 season finale race uh that's his sixth world title title mercedes receives their sixth straight constructors championship um but there's the good news is watch the race because there's a number of midfield positions up for grabs still so watch it uh, the 2019 and 52nd running of the Snowball Derby begins on Wednesday, December 4th at Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. 300-lap main event takes place on Sunday, December 8th. Uh, the 34th Chili Bowl Nationals begins on Monday, January 13th. The Tulsa Expo Raceway in Tulsa, Oklahoma will host the main event, as always, on Saturday, January 18th. Currently, there are 101 entries, which is expected to rise. I think last year they had over 300 there. Um, the one race you all should watch, the yes. Bathurst 12 hour will take place on February 2nd. So that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool race. You need to watch an awesome circuit, the Mount Pan- Pan- Panorama circuit in Bathurst, Australia is where they run this. It's a, it's still streets. You can run on actually when the race isn't going on, you can drive on it, but don't speed because they do monitor, um, uh, the roads pretty well. Cause they don't want people racing on it because it is a very dangerous circuit. Uh, so, uh, also for all you NASCAR and racing preservationists, pay attention to Dale and her Jr.'s uh, social media accounts and maybe the Dirty Mo Media account too, uh, because uh, he's looking to have a lawn maintenance day at North Wilkesboro Speedway, so iRacing can come in and scan it and preserve it for future generations should uh, the track not be restored. So, pay attention for that. That's supposed to happen in early December. So, with that. That's what's in the windshield. I'm going to close this thing out. We're way past time here. I think a little bit here. I started my clock a little a little late, but we had a fun time today. I know we did. So mm-hmm. thanks for listening, Rob, and I really appreciate your support. We, uh, you know, if this was your first time here, glad you were here and hope you enjoyed it. If you came back for another go around, we hope you come back next week because we got at least one more show planned. Uh, and that's obviously to talk about the Formula One finale, give our thoughts on the 2019 racing season and what we maybe hope to see in 2020. Uh, plus a uh, special featured paint scheme segment dedicated to the soon-to-be-inducted NASCAR Hall of Famer, Tony Stewart. And our featured racetrack is one that has a very special and important place in NASCAR history. 
an early sneak peek. It's in Florida. So remember, follow us on Twitter. Rob is at rpeters33, R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3. I'm at roller underscore zero one, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. And the podcast account is at Robin Roller, just as it sounds. And I use the hashtag Robin Roller to find us. And also use the hashtag AskRobinRoller to play along with our upshift, downshift. And let us know your thoughts of the early predictions, too. I kind of would be interested to hear what you have to say. So yeah, I want to hear other I, people's predictions. Yeah, right, right. It'd be awesome to see that. So with that, though, I'm going to stop talking. And we're going to end this thing. For Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller. This was the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. See you, everyone. <laughs>